0: Uh, verses 1 through 8. Philippians 4, 1 through 8. And then we'll have a word of prayer. All right, uh, Philippians chapter 4, 1 through 8. The Bible says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus, I beseech Syntechi, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say Rejoice. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity uh, to be here this morning. We're thankful for your goodness to us and for your mercy and for your grace. We ask and pray now your blessing on our Bible study time that you would just draw each of us closer to you. In Jesus name amen Amen. all right so gonna start a series for the month of August and um, gonna have to do with uh, what we think and how we think our theme verse is found on the top of your handout uh, Romans chapter number one be not conformed to this world uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so The human mind, as you see on the opening paragraph, the brain, the most complex arrangement of matter really in the universe, this particular author said, I'm quoting him here, and so psychologists tell us that the average person has about 10,000 thoughts each day. How you think will affect the direction of your life. With 10,000 thoughts whirling around our brains brains daily, uh, we're going to need more than human willpower to keep them pure and God-honoring. So hence, uh, Philippians 4.8, think on these things, the things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, good, uh, any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. So most normal human beings like things to be clean right i mean your house is clean your car is clean uh that's what most normal some of some of the parents (laughs) if you have a child and you're raising a child you've raised a child sometimes you wonder if they're normal or not but that's generally how most people uh, live Um, sometimes it takes some people a little longer than others to learn uh, how to keep things clean but that's why in our houses we have sinks. Uh, we have showers. These are many of these are relatively modern conveniences when you think about it. Um, washing machines, uh, toilets. So you know that's that hence the hence the uh, well so we actually, I was watching last night, um, on the Smithsonian channel, a, um, a segment on King Louis and the palace in Versailles. And uh, he was a filthy individual. The whole palace was filthy. Now, you can go visit that palace today, and it's immaculate. But the documentaries, there were no bathrooms in the palace. And when you visited the palace, and many people visited, King Louis wanted as many of the royalty to be there because he, like many of the royalty of the day, was paranoid that someone wanted to take his power. So he figured if he could have the royalty there with him, then he could keep an eye on them. But if you visited King Louis, uh, and you were walking down the hallway, and you needed to relieve yourself it was perfectly normal to just go ahead and get into a corner of the hallway and to go ahead and relieve yourself. And uh, mark your territory, I guess. And there were, there were servants in the, that would walk around with, um, I'll just call them pots, that's not what they are called, <laughs> I don't wanna be crude, and, or they would clean up after people. And then Louis had a lot of animals and it was perfectly normal for the animals to just go to the bathroom all throughout the palace. The documentary said that the palace reeked. It was not a clean place, especially in the summer. It was a filthy place. Many of the other no, uh, nobility, they, they, they just wanted, they didn't even want to be there, but they had to be there because of the requirements to be there. In fact, it said of King Louis, it said of King Louis that he, as an adult, he only bathed three times. Stop sending texts. He stopped, he only bathed three times. I told this story to my wife this morning. She said, well, instead of calling him King Louis, they should have called him King Puy. Uh, so. He didn't like to be clean. But today, when you think of that, and you think of all that's involved, today you know, we, we hear about water pollution. Actually, when I was a child, the waters in the United States were a lot more polluted than they are today. They have cleaned up the waters in America uh, tremendously. In fact, uh, it's not there any longer, but in our parking lot for years, they came and they, they sank a well. And there was a metal cap to that well. And for years they tested the ground here because when all of the uh, industry was in North Adams, uh, this and the river was still there, the grounds were all polluted. And so uh, for those of you that don't know, right across the street where it's open land, when, uh, when I moved here, there, there were all houses there. And um, those houses were all torn down because the ground there was polluted. And uh, they would test that well. I see them every now and then coming and testing the ground. They wanted to make sure the pollution didn't drift across the highway and come up here. But when I was a child, there was, uh, I actually think it was during the Nixon administration, there was a great effort to clean up the waters, uh, or the start to clean up the waters in America. So you had water pollution, and we have—we uh, we hear about air pollution. When I visited Hong Kong with Shelley many, many years ago. Uh, the air in, in Hong Kong, I, it may still be the same. It was unbelievably polluted there. Um, so things like that, water pollution, air pollution, uh, noise pollution. I'll tell you what, sometimes people go by my house and they're like, where's the muffler on your car? You know, like, unbelievable. Um, but all this kind of thing. But what about mind pollution? And that's really what uh, we want to think about because our minds can be polluted with a lot of things that are in this world. And we need to be thinking about that and careful about that. And uh, so this is going to be these next four or five weeks. We want to deal with some of the things that that the Bible talks about regarding this. And that's why here, verse 8 especially, look again on your Bibles. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So, a um, couple of things. Notice first on your handout when we talk about, uh, and then the theme to this is being brainwashed, meaning our minds, our minds need to be washed. Um, but our souls need to be washed first and foremost. So positionally, we're washed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Revelation one five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood. It's wonderful to know that we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, that our sins have been forgiven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and that's a that's a great uh, a great blessing. I think. Um, well, then then practically speaking Psalm 51 2 and 3 on our handout this is David's part of David's prayer of um uh before the Lord after Nathan the prophet has uh exposed the sin of David between David and Bathsheba and then David premeditating the death of uh, King Uriah and then having all of that um all of that acknowledged here by David. And David says this. He says to the Lord, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So from a positional point of view, David had accepted the one true living God. He was a man of faith. But from a practical point of view, David had involved himself in grievous sin and he needed the washing of the Lord. In Genesis, or in John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, that's verses most of us know. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think as I think of those verses, I think those verses can be applied both practically as well as positionally. Because to get saved, we've got to come before the Lord and confess our condition before Him. But then as believers, really regularly in our Christian lives, we should acknowledge that there's sin in our life. And um, sometimes that sin is brought into our lives because of all that's around us. Mind pollution. So... Philippians, the book of Philippians, talks a lot about the mind. In fact, if you have it open to the book of Philippians, look at uh, chapter 1, for instance, and verse 27. Paul writes here to the Philippians, and he says this, Only let your conversation be at becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together, for the faith of the gospel the idea of one mind and that should be true about a church a body of believers that we are of one mind in the book of acts it talks about being of one mind and being of one accord but then also look at what he says chapter 2 verse um, 4 look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul speaking about striving together with one mind, letting the mind of Christ be in each of us. Um, chapter three and verse fifteen. The Bible says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded. And then in chapter 4, again, when when Paul is writing here, these two women, Euteus and Syntechi, they're having, they're having a problem. They're kind of going at it. And uh, the Bible says that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, if people are of the same mind in the Lord, that it would save not only a lot of conflict, it would save a lot of confusion as well. So the mind of the Lord, our... Uh, the importance of how we think and what we allow into our, into our minds. So these three points here this morning on our handout. Number one is this. Our minds are designed creations. God has created us in a way where we can think or we ought to think. Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 says this. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. You know, God created our minds in such a way where we can relate to God, to the things of God. That's how we've been created. And um, that's a wonderful thing. And uh, God's given us that ability. You know, all, we know that all real wisdom comes from above. God plants that wisdom in our hearts and in our, in our minds. But that is the creation um, and how God has created us, that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and Paul, as he writes here, uh, he, he recognizes that. And um, you and I need to recognize that. You know, what was the same when we were growing up, uh, when I was growing up. Uh, some of you are my age, you remember this. Maybe they still say it. But a mind is a terrible thing to what? To waste. To waste. And, uh, and it's true. Um, there's so, we have so many opportunities that God has given us to think about things and to read things today and to study things and, um, you know, I was watching, like I said, I was watching that show about King Louis, and it seemed like all Louis lived for was the pleasures of life. He had uh, an opulent but stinky place to live. Uh, he had all kinds of foods that they fed him, and uh, he, here was Louis's mind. Now, you have to understand, at this particular time in France, there was a lot of poverty. And they would sit Louis in this room, and they would... Feed him these unbelievable meals, but while he was eating, they would have people walk by and watch him. And um, I don't know what they were thinking, (laughs) but when you have people who are starving and the king is there and he's making a display of um, his wealth and his opulence and his and that's what they would do, is he'd sit there and eat, and these people would walk by, and they'd walk out of the room. Somebody wasn't thinking there. Uh, no that there was uh, a revolution in, in France. What was it that, uh, who was it that said, eat, let them eat cake, Marie Antoinette? Yeah, yeah, she wasn't thinking when she said that statement, let me tell you. She lost her head, right. <laughs> so the mind, but God has given you and I a mind, and to use that mind. Sometimes you think, you know, what, what are people thinking what is it, what are our leaders thinking you know are really thinking these things through but we but god's mind we've been designed this way to to be able to relate to god even even though the bible says that in isaiah my ways are not your ways neither are my thoughts your thoughts but yet the lord has allowed us to be able to understand who he is and and even by looking at his creation but then Paul really emphasizes, not only in Philippians, but much throughout his other writings as well, that we need to learn to have our minds to be under the divine control of God. The control of God. And again, chapter 4, look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Isaiah also said this, Thou will have perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So the Lord wants us, He wants us to be under His control and to think godly thoughts. In 2 Corinthians, notice this on, well, let me just back up first. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, Because that when they knew God, so here's people who understood who God was, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, who changed the truth of God into a lie and served and or worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. You know, man is always trying to change God's plan and God's purpose for things. You know, I heard this morning, they had a news on the news, I was as I was getting ready, I flipped on the news, and they were talking about monkeypox. And this is what the person in the news said that that, that monkeypox is spreading. But there is a disproportionate Number of homosexuals who are getting monkeypox. Well, because homosexuality is really not God's plan for mankind. Although the world tries to convince us that it is God's plan. There are even churches that support that. But the Bible clearly tells us that it's just wrong. So We've seen this before. We've seen this with the AIDS epidemic, that it broke out amongst that lifestyle. And while I'm not trying to be cruel and and, and hurtful and uh, homophobic or anything, but these things happen when we go against God's plan. We don't think these things through. Sexually transmitted diseases amongst the heterosexual population, these diseases are rampant because people think they have a better plan than God's plan. So there are always consequences for how we think, and we need to be mindful of that. Our minds are to be under the control of God. 2 Corinthians says this, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, I've always said that people wonder what God thinks. Well, we don't have to wonder what God thinks. It's right here. It's found in the book. You know, if you sent somebody a letter and you wanted to tell them how you thought about something, they would read the letter and they would know. Well, it's true for, for us. We know how God thinks. We know what God's plan is. And so you and I, we need, to be, we need to be aware of that. I was talking to a man the other day on the phone who he called me, and he, then he, he wanted to talk about our church's position as far as eschatology goes. Uh, prophecy. And he was all worked up about things. And um, he had a different, he has a a position that's called uh, replacement theology. Replacement theology, for those of you that don't know, is that no longer is God interested in Israel. God God has replaced Israel with the church. And uh, so You know, our position as a church, we're pre-tribulational and and I know there may be some differences of opinion, but that's our position in the sense that we're looking for the rapture, for the return of Christ. And then God's attention will be refocused again on the nation of Israel, especially in in the time of tribulation. So that's a pre-tribulational point of view in, in a very basic way. But the replacement theology believes, no, 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 God is done with that. In fact, basically he said when they stoned Stephen, uh, that was the Jews' last chance, and no, God's just done with them. And then we went from there to, you know, about people trying to take over the world, and we need to be aware of these things, and I, I just let this man talk, and I finally said to him, listen, man has been trying to take over the world ever since the fall of the Garden of Eden. And I said, you're all worked up. you got a lot of fear in you. Oh, no, I don't. I said, it sounds like you do. And people get all caught up in, you know, this man is doing this, and this guy is doing this, and this government's doing this. And I said to them, listen, God's got a plan. And sure, from the beginning of time, man has tried to change that plan. Satan has tried to... But, God's not, but man's not going to change, nor is Satan going to change God's plan. And you need to rest in that fact. You know, from the very, all the different empires, Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, the wicked uh, Haman when he tried to kill all the Jews. And you go down, right down through, you, through history... And in the days of Rome, trying to stamp out the the early church, and and then governments rise and governments fall. And I think God sits in heaven and he kind of laughs. He has them, the Bible says, in derision. God's got a plan. Nobody's going to stop God's plan. We may not understand it, but God's got it. But God does. And that's the important thing. Amen. Amen. So I said, Oh, no. He said, You've misunderstood me. I'm not afraid. Well, I said, Well, what are you worried about then? oh, you know, they've been putting mercury in the water. And I said to him, how old are you? Well, I'm 78 years old. I said, well, you're doing pretty good if they're putting mercury in the water. Maybe they are. I don't know. But you're 78 years old. You only got so much longer to live. Just enjoy the rest of your life and forget about the mercury. You know, (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of things like this. Just go relax. Enjoy your family. I don't. Maybe I'm just too simple-minded, but uh, you know, it's not that we shouldn't be aware of things and speak up about things. But we can either live in fear or we can live by faith. Amen. So live by faith. Be aware. Don't do. Don't. We shouldn't be foolish either. But God's got a plan, and God created us with a mind to understand that. You know. It, this guy, he was suspicious about everything. Well, I decided long ago, I'm going to live my life that way. You know, it's only a step between life and death. We'll all be gone tomorrow. Just relax. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. You know, when you get, it's kind of like when Noah built the ark and, and God, God had a plan. Noah got in the ark and God protected him. Well, I got saved. I'm uh, safe in the arms of Jesus. I'm just, well, he's watching out. And uh, I rest in that. But you and I, 2 Corinthians 10-15, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Be careful because there are many things. You know, Satan's toolbox is filled with many tools trying to get us to think differently contrary to the Word of God and what God has said. I I mentioned earlier in the lesson different lifestyles. There are churches that now are promoting a lifestyle, they've been around for a while, but they promote a lifestyle that is contrary to the mind of God. Well, there are consequences for that. It's not new either, by the way. Look, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. They didn't think about God. They let their mind wander into other things and um, believe other things. But God wants your mind and my mind to be under His control. And the world in which we live in, there are many voices trying to call us away from that, pull us away from that. So Paul reminds us of that here. The peace of God which passeth all understanding should keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then, God has created you and I to make choices, deliberate choices. We can choose things. Uh, and that's, again, Philippians 4, nine. Those things which we have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Paul writes to the, to the church there in Philippi and he says, listen, You've seen my lifestyle. You've seen how I've lived. You've seen what uh, I believe. Um, you've seen all of this. Uh, he would go on and, 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 you know, Philippians, the theme of Philippians is really the joy of the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord. You just look up those two words or study them out in the book of Philippians. You find it, you find them often. For instance, verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now in the last, your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. By the way, Paul's writing this from prison. He's rejoicing in the Lord. Because, you know, God's got a plan and a purpose for his life. And we looked a little at this. We looked at this somewhat on Wednesday night. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed to be full, to be hungry, to abound, and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ strengtheneth me and um, just living with that with, with the idea that we have choices that we can make now I don't know if this is true or not but I read this and some of you have maybe have studied this but just from observation I think this is true but is it this author said this the distinguishing factor between humans and animals are this that animals, everything is instinctive, they just react. Where humans can stop and think about it. That makes sense? You know, like those goofy squirrels that run across the street, what are they thinking when the cars are coming? You know, they're not thinking. (laughs) They run halfway across and then they turn around and go back and then they run. And then sooner or later, they're flattened. But you and I are created to think about things and to make choices, and to deliberate choices, distinguishing choices. Proverbs one ten on the handout. My son, if sinners entice thee, well, what does it say? What are those next three words? If sinners entice thee, what does it say? So you have to make a choice, right? You make a choice. You have to choose. But how do you make the right choice and the right decision unless you know what the plan of God is? You read what God's Word says and and you just implement it in, in your life. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. There's great examples. I mean, just think about the Bible and great examples. Think of Joseph's life. All right? Make sure you're all still with me. So after Joseph was thrown into the pit, rescued, he was sold into whose house? What was the guy's name? Potiphar. And Potiphar had a wife. And Potiphar's wife had wandering eyes. And uh, Potiphar's wife tried to put the moves on David, not just once, but a numerous amount of times. So David had to make a choice. Or, I'm sorry, Joseph. David had to make a choice too with Bathsheba. Uh, You're still with me? Good, good for you. I'm not with you, but you're with me. (laughs) Joseph had to make a choice. He could either fall into sin or he could flee. And those choices come across our path quite quite often. We could either fall or we could flee. And Joseph, we know, he fled. He fled. I gave that this example the other night of my own self. I uh, was having a tough time and uh, was kind of in a bad mood and I knew I needed to get out of the house or it might get ugly. It was all my fault, nobody else's. I just was in a cranky mood. And so I left. Well, Pastor Malachek, if you were spiritual, you would have got on your hands and knees in the corner and prayed and asked God to forgive you a better attitude right then and there. Well, I did that, but I fled anyhow. And I just needed to deal with, and I needed to come alone and get alone with the Lord and say, "Lord, I've got a bad attitude. I'm kind of cranky, and I'm here to tell you about it. And I need your help with it." And um, that was a choice. I fled a situation because I knew that my flesh was getting the best of me. We come. Those are choices that we make. God gives us those choices. Joseph had that choice, and he fled. He fled. He got as far away from it as he could. I still practice this to this day. I was just a young Christian, a young man, newly married, and Pastor Ainsworth said, "On these hot summer days, men, if you're driving down the road, and you guys, you might think this is a silly." illustration but I still do this today and he says if you're coming up and you see some woman on the other side of the road and she's kind of scantily clad turn your face turn your eyes and look on the other side I still do that today it's just a simple thing to keep your mind pure especially for men men are very sight-oriented why do men get hooked into pornography because they are sight-oriented Things come up on the computer. You have to flee. You have to hit the button and hit the button quick, because your old nature wants to draw its attention to these things. That's why the entertainment that we watch at the movies or on television or, or, or whatever, you have to make some choices. You have to. There's times you have to flee, and it's not just what we see. It's what we hear. Uh, it's all part of being brainwashed. Having our minds washed of a lot of this. And then, listen, by the way, when when we come into contact with these types of things and, and we do spend time where we ought not to, then it's very important that we go to the Lord and wash our brains. and Just confess our sin before the Lord and get this right and ask Him for strength. But the Proverbs said, My son... It, If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You've got to make choices. God has given the ability to make choices. Choices that affect our minds, whether we fall or whether we flee. Joshua said this, and if it seem evil unto you, this is such a great verse, if it seem evil unto you uh, to serve the Lord, you will choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, In whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, all throughout our lives, what, the workday, our social life, our entertaining life, there'll be times we're going to have to choose is it more important for me to serve the Lord or what I'm listening to, watching, or involved with? Because it will have an effect upon your life. It will and you know part of coming to church is a is a brainwashing and I'm using this in a not in a bad way but in a positive way meaning you hear it and sit under the preaching of the word you open the bible and it cleanses you part of our prayer life is a cleansing process if we confess our sin confess our faults one to another it says in the book of James but we confess them to the lord david got his life right There's another guy who instead of fleeing from bath looking at bathsheba He fell, and the consequences were catastrophic. So there are always consequences, always consequences. And we need need the purity of God. You know, for many years, I listened to almost no secular music, because I, as a young man, I was very, um, what would be the word, I hate to use the word addicted, I would not say addicted, but I just didn't listen to much because it had such a negative effect on my lifestyle. The older, the longer I walk with the Lord, I listen to some secular music. Now, sometimes I listen to some old music from when, you know, we were young, but you know, every now and then I pull something up, I'm listening to it. And I, and I, that I listened to before and I just turn it off because I think this has got a bad, this has got a bad vibe to it. So I want to listen to it. And then there's a lot of other stuff that I realized it was just kind of like neutral stuff that, you know, it was nice to listen to. But I, I still turn some things off. You know, Shelley, Shelley and I, when we got saved, we were pretty radical. We had about 300 albums. We threw them all out because it had such an effect upon our thinking. And, um, but today, not so much. But still got to pick and choose. Got to pick and choose what we go to see, what we watch, what we hear. It's all part of having the mind of Christ. And I can't make that determination for you. You have to make it with the Lord. It has to be between you and the Lord, amen. I mean, I, I can't I can't I I can't sit up here as the pastor or, or one of the pastors and say, You can't do this, but you can do this. That's not the kind of faith that we have, amen. The kind of faith that we have is you as a believer has to get with the Lord, and you as a believer have to be in the scriptures, and you as a believer has to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, and you have to sense what the Lord wants and what the Lord doesn't, but certainly that's going to take you spending time in the Word of God and staying close to God and listening to the still, small voice of God. I will say this, though. The only only feeding you're getting is on Sunday morning. The world's going to take over your mind. The only time you're being fed spiritually is Sunday morning. You're going to grow weak and the world's going to take over your mind. And that's why many Christians today, they don't walk with the Lord any longer the way they once did. Because they've let the thoughts and the ways of the world come into their thinking and it's drawn them away. So that's just kind of the beginning of this. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And, um, but um, that's our first lesson. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, bless the morning worship service. Meet with us in a special way, a real way a powerful way, Lord. We pray, Lord, if there's any here today that are not saved, that they'd get saved, they'd be born again. We pray, Lord, uh, for those of our uh, that'll be in the junior church, that you'd bless the junior church hour and just speak to their hearts, be with the workers, Uh, empower them, Lord. Help us to come and just uh, expect and look for you to work in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.